I think whenever we observe uh, All Saints, it's very humbling to me to think about those who've gone before us, those on whose shoulders we stand to believe and to be here today. God has done a mighty work through them, and he will do that work through you and through me by his grace. We pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through and only through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. So I begin this morning with a couple of fill-in-the-blank questions. So you fill in the blank here, all right? So number one, if you see a woman walking down a church aisle wearing a long, white, formal dress, you would think to yourself that she's probably a, a bride, okay? How do you know? Okay, she's wearing a white dress, right? Well, uh, let's go a little deeper, right? Um, clothing communicates, okay? The clothes you wear, it's not just a covering, but it's communication. Clothing sends a message. Okay, second question. If you are at a high school game in Columbus, Indiana, if let's say it, it could be basketball, it could be football, it could be soccer, and you see someone dressed in orange, you would conclude that person is a supporter of Columbus East, okay? How do you know that? Because East people wear orange, right? <laughs> okay, but, but it's also because it's because clothing communicates. Clothing does. It communicates who you are. In the Bible, for example, uh, kings are identified by purple. They wear purple. Remember when Jesus was mocked, they put a purple robe on him. If someone is wearing sackcloth, you know, kind of like burlap or something, you would know that they're in mourning or they're grieving over something, right? The loss of someone or something. If someone in the Old Testament is wearing white, you would think, you should think, he's a priest. Priests wear white linen. Clothing not only communicates who you are, but how you view yourself. It says a lot about your self-image. For example, if you're ashamed of your body, then you'll wear clothing to sort of hide what you don't want others to notice. Or if you feel pretty prideful about your body, <laughs> you'll wear clothing that will reveal what you want others to notice. So Roman numeral one in your outline, inside your bulletin, clothing communicates A, who you are, and B, how you see yourself. Clothing communicates your identity, your affiliations, uh, even your insecurities. Roman numeral two, clothing was invented in Eden, in the garden, Genesis chapter three. Why? When we sinned, we became conscious of our nakedness. 
we became conscious of our nakedness because of guilt. Nakedness and guilt have a lot in common. They, they both involve the same emotion, and that emotion is fear. Fear of exposure. Fear of judgment. And because nakedness and guiltiness have a lot in common, that's fear, being found out, of being exposed or seen. Point A, nakedness and guiltiness require the same solution. And that solution is covering. Covering. When Adam and Eve sinned, they realized they were naked. They felt exposed. Now, whenever you are exposed in some fashion, you feel a psychological need to cover yourself, just like Adam and Eve. When you and I are guilty, we feel exposed, we feel condemned, and we want to hide ourselves from the judgment of others, from the view of others. Uh, for example, uh, if, if you watch the news, um, you're probably familiar with what's called the perp walk, right? Uh, a perp walk is when the, the sheriff or the, the chief of police wants to parade um, an alleged perpetrator in front of the cameras, maybe going into the courthouse or whatever, right? And what do those accused do? They'll put something up in front of their face, or they'll pull their shirt up over their heads as they walk in. Now, why do they do that? They want to hide. They want a covering. That's what sin or that's what guilt does to you. It drives you into hiding. We want to cover ourselves for whatever we did wrong or whatever others think we have done wrong. And that's why scandals are always followed by a cover-up. Letter B. And this is important. We cannot forgive ourselves nor cover ourselves. We can't do it. Forgiveness is not something we grant to self, right? It has to come from the one we've offended. That's the person that can forgive us. Nor are we able to sufficiently cover ourselves. Only God can cover us. And I cite Genesis chapter 3 there, where the Lord God made for Adam and Eve garments of animal skins, and he clothed them. In other words, fig leaves won't do. Only God can adequately cover our guilt, and he does so at his own expense. God himself pays the price for our covering. He takes the skin off his own livestock to cover us. You see, the cattle on a thousand hills are his, according to the psalmist, right? Everything belongs to him. And so at his own expense now, he will pay the price for our disobedience. I cite Deuteronomy 29. That's where uh, the Lord says to the Israelites, I led you for 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothing never wore out, nor did your sandals ever wear thin. God supernaturally clothed the Israelites. Isaiah 61 Isaiah writes, the Lord has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me 
with the robe of righteousness. And then in Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're supposed to eat. And don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which is here today, gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You see, God is in the clothing business. God knows that Adam and Eve's fig leaves will not do. We cannot cover our guilt any more than they could. Like Adam and Eve, we have our own fig leaves, by the way, and you're familiar with them. We try to cover our guilt by making excuses. We try to cover our guilt by blaming someone else. Those are fig leaves. And they don't cover anything. They only add to our guilt. They don't cover it. We cannot forgive ourselves. We cannot cover our own guilt. God must do it for us by sacrificing what is his own. But even then we object and complain. We say things like, well, why does anyone have to die uh, because of sin? Why is God so bloodthirsty after all, ripping the skins off of animals and putting his own son to death in our place? And notice, notice how we find fault with God even when he's in the very act of forgiving us and covering our sin. We, my friends, have forgotten gratitude and we've forgotten what it means to be wronged. When you and I are wronged, we want satisfaction because our sense of justice has been aroused. We've been offended. Sin is a debt that's owed. Our sense of justice demands that wrongs be righted and that debts be repaid. And sin is first and foremost always against God. He is, and because it is an offense to him first and foremost, every sin is, he is the one uniquely qualified to determine our punishment, to determine how to make things right. But God determined that our punishment would fall completely upon Jesus, not on us. And thus, he's able to give forgiveness to us. And so my question is, is that all right? Do we have to complain about it? You may not be, but people do. People I talk to complain about that. They bring it up. As, you know, why would God require such a, a costly sacrifice? Well, he's the one who's offended, and he'll determine how to make it right. My friends, clothing communicates status, it communicates identity, it, commu it communicates affiliation. And your clothing is more than a covering. It's a subtle message, or not so subtle message, that you're sending to others. But remember this, clothing is really God's business. God is the one who clothes us. If he so clothes the grass of the field, which is here and then gone, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And that much more that he does, we see in our first lesson for today. Roman numeral number three, our clothing in heaven communicates Christ. It communicates Christ. Verse 13 of our first lesson. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, and this is almost as if this is John's question, but he's too afraid to ask. 
who are these clothed in white robes and where have they come from? So the elder asked for him in a sense. It may be. I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And this whiteness, by the way, is, uh, I think it's more than a reflected radiance. I think it's, it, it is radiance. It is, um, it is glory. We share the glory of the Lord in heaven. We share that glory. And, and um, glory is, is nothing more than holiness made visible. I'll say more about that in a moment. Now, notice, he made them white, that they were made white by the blood of the Lamb. Now, you and I know blood as something that causes a terrible stain, but God sees it differently. God sees sin as a terrible stain on the conscience. And only the blood of Christ can lift that stain from the conscience, you see, and from garments as well. Only the blood of Christ can lift the stain, because the real stain is sin. Letter A, we are clothed with Christ. Verse 14, you know, if, if our garments are washed in his blood, then we're carrying him around. His blood covers us. And, and this really happens to us in baptism. It happens to us, too, when we come to faith, but it, but it happens in baptism also, because St. Paul... Uh, writes in Galatians 3, all who have been baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. You're clothed with Jesus. Letter B, washing our robes in Christ's blood is not a meritorious work, but a picture of faith. It's a picture of faith. Christ has done all the work. We trust not in what we do, but in what he did for the world. And that includes you. Letter C, white is the color of heaven. Daniel 7, 9, God is on the throne and his clothing is all white. His hair is white as snow. Revelation 1, 14, Christ's hair is white as snow. Heaven is characterized by this brightness, this radiance, you see. And it's the complete absence of sin. There's no stain anywhere. It's the complete absence of sin. It's the presence of righteousness. Now, you and I know that in the law, we confess our sinfulness. The law shows us our sin. But in the gospel, we confess our sinlessness. In the gospel, we confess our righteousness and our holiness, which is God's gift to us through Jesus Christ. And this is why St. Paul writes, where sin abounded, grace abounded, it exploded all the more. That is how God deals with sin. That's how God deals with a guilty conscience. He will do it. He will clothe us. He will remove the stain. We can't do it. Our efforts to do so only add to our guilt because not only do we blame others for what we've done, that's the fig leaf, but we ignore the very thing that God is doing for us in Christ. These clothed in white robes, who are they? 
John is saying to us all, it's you. They are you. This is who you are. This is who the gospel proclaims you to be. Clothing communicates. It's more than just a covering. It is also a powerful message. And this clothing of heaven communicates your glorification. It communicates your connection to Jesus Christ. Glory is simply holiness made visible. We are holy in the sight of God by the blood of Jesus. But we're not holy in the sight of the world. We're not glorified yet. They don't see anything different about you or me. And that's why our second reading for today is so important. Inside your bulletin, 1 John 3, verse 2, John writes, Beloved, we are God's children now. Not in the, just in the future, but now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Meaning it's real, but it's not yet visible. See, Christ is present in the sacrament by the power of his word. He is truly here, though not in a visible way. Not yet. But then he goes on. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. In other words, your glorification is linked to Christ's return in glory. Your holiness will become visible when our Lord returns visibly. And until that day, John would have you remember, and I would have all of us remember, this vision of heaven. Remember your white garments, because they communicate who you are and who you will be revealed to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.